Hey everybody, it's Jackie Bruno, Miss Massachusetts USA 2008. You're listening to Life After the Crown with Kim Pialdo. Hey everybody, my name is Tim Tialdo, and welcome to Season 2 of the Life After the Crown podcast. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the previous episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen, because there are many valuable interviews that you will definitely gain some wisdom from. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome and thanks for checking us out. Each episode of Life After the Crown, I interview former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who share advice and stories on how to help you succeed in the world of pageants, but more importantly, how you can flourish in the professional world once your pageant journey comes to an end. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download this podcast. I do value your time, and I'm glad you're here listening. So let's get started. My guest today was Miss Massachusetts USA 2008, and she also placed top 10 at Miss USA that year. She was also third runner-up at Miss Teen USA in 2003. She is currently the entertainment and lifestyle reporter for NBC10 Boston and NECN. She has reported live from the Golden Globes red carpet, has interviewed countless celebrities including Mark Wahlberg, Jennifer Lopez, and Kelly Clarkson to name a few. She also produces segments for her signature series, Uniquely Boston, which features the people and places that make Boston special. Prior to this role, Jackie anchored and covered general assignment news for NECN and WWLP in Springfield, Massachusetts. She was one of the first reporters to tweet from the Boston Marathon bombing and delivered eyewitness reports in the minutes, hours, and days that followed. When it comes to pageants, she still enjoys helping girls prepare for competitions. She has also judged state and local pageants for both the Miss USA and Miss America systems. She is a graduate of Boston University and a devoted mother to her two boys, Jack and James. Jackie Bruno, welcome to Life After thank the Crown. Great to have you. Yeah, I'm no, it's so exciting. Excited. I love this podcast. Well, thank you so much, and I appreciate you listening and, and reaching out to me. And, uh, you know, we're in the same business, and so it's always fun to we see are. somebody who has gone on from pageants into the broadcasting world. Now, i, I got to be honest, I was watching uh, YouTube this morning, and I was looking at your Miss Teen USA Top 5 interview. And yes. it was Mario Lopez and Brooke I, Burns, and they were asking you your top five questions. And one of the questions was, uh, I believe it was, whose job would you like to replace or, or who would you like to replace in their field of uh, work? And your answer was Katie Couric. Now that you look yeah. back, okay, so we're, you know, 15 years in the future now. Um, are you living the dream that you hoped you would live? I think I am. You know, that clip actually made it onto the Today Show the next morning. Oh, and good. Katie <laughs> said that she wasn't going to allow me on the plaza because uh, she didn't want me to take her job. And Ann Carter was <laughs> like, I think she's just trying to be, you know, she really likes you. So it's kind of a funny interaction there. But you know, now I work for NBC, so, you know, I'm in the family, and we're an NBC O&O station, so I'm so proud to be in the NBC Universal family, and yeah, I think so. I think that once you have children, you kind of realize that I'm in my hometown. I actually live in the hometown I grew up in. We bought a house in, down the street from my parents and grandparents, and if you told me when I was like 13, 14, or even, you know, the 17, 18, when I was at Miss Teen USA that I'd be living in, you know, I'm not always in the town, but in the town that I grew up in, I would have thought that was a huge failure. But now I'm so thankful that, you know, you know how this business is. It could have taken me anywhere and I get to work in the place that I grew up in. So, so many people chase that dream and I get to do it now. And I actually get to do the kind of work that I had one day 
hope to do on like the Today Show or Access Hollywood, I'm actually interviewing celebrities and covering incredible features. So I get to do the work that I wanted to do and I get to do it close to home, which really is the perfect blend of everything I think I always wanted, but maybe didn't realize I wanted. Well, gosh, and for those listening, I mean, I don't know how many people know how incredibly rare that is. I mean, I worked up through the markets I started in Uh, I actually started at Access Hollywood in the research department, and then my on-air career went to Clarksburg, West Virginia, then to Springfield, Missouri, then to St. Louis. I grew up in St. Louis, so it took me three markets to work my way back there, but you've been in your home state the entire time. I mean, I don't hardly ever see that happen. Yeah, I guess I was applying all over the country, and it was during 2008, so the recession was happening and nobody was hiring, and I kept going to my hometown post office to mail out DVDs because (laughs) that's how old I am. That's how we used to do it, and they say, where are you applying to today, Jackie? I'm like Arkansas, Alabama, and Alaska. I don't really want to go to those places. No offense to those states. I love them all and would love to visit them, but that's really far away from my family. Um, I'm like, but you know what? That's probably where I'll get my next job. And as I was leaving, I got a call from a news director from Springfield, Massachusetts, who said, what are you doing right now? And I said, well, I'm actually mailing out DVDs for jobs. (laughs) And he goes, well, stop. I want you to come in for an interview. And that's how my job started, you know, out in Springfield, Mass for three years. And then I got the job here at NECN, which has now turned into our NBC affiliate because we've taken over the affiliation for Boston. So now for the past three years, I've been working for NBC 10 Boston and NECN. What market is Boston now? It used to be in the top five. Is it still top 10? Yeah, it's in the top 10. I want to say it bounces between like seven and eight. Okay. Yeah. But it's still, it's a huge market. Seriously here. <laughs> oh, I, I imagine. We take everything seriously here, you know? <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Uh, Pats and Red Sox. I, know. I won't I mean. gloat. I won't gloat. <laughs> you got the Celtics, so you can't always brag about that one. But the other two, always. And the Patriots. Come on. I mean, the Red yeah. Sox this year. Ugh. But, you know, we were last year's World Series champion. But, That's again, okay. I digress. And we've had a miss, two Miss USAs. Yes, you have. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. So I, I want to go back to 2003. So you're Miss uh, Massachusetts Teen USA. You get top five at Miss Teen USA. Your big sis, Susie Castillo goes on to win Miss USA. I mean, what a powerhouse duo from Massachusetts that year. Yeah, my director has called it the superstar year. She actually gave these superstar keychains. I still have on my keychain to kind of <laughs> remind me of that year. Uh, it was such a special experience. To give you an idea of like my background, I was such a nerd. I couldn't even get a date to prom. And then I competed in my first pageant after years of modeling. But like modeling meant that I was so skinny that people said you should model. You know, I wasn't like beautiful. I just kind of looked awkward. And that was good at the time for modeling. And so when I entered my first pageant, I got first runner up out of 130 girls, which coming from a small town, that was like most first runner ups are totally angry. I was thrilled. (laughs) Um, And then someone said, you should come back. And I was like, I can come back. So I did. And that point, I put a lot of pressure on myself to win because I couldn't you know, try really hard and then not do as well as I did the year before or do the same. Um, So only option was winning. So it was my freshman year at Boston University. I was, you know, 17. I won state, had turned 18 by the time I got to national. So I was an older teen and I pretty much looked the same as, you know, maybe not as I do now, because as my son told me this morning, my face has wrinkles. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, I looked pretty old. Uh, so I had to kind of make myself look teeny that whole year. And Susie was such an incredible big sister because she had already been to Teen USA. So she had such great advice for me. We had done many appearances together before we went to, but I think her national pageant came first. Um, so I went down there and met a bunch of the girls from Teen. Susie won Miss USA. I'll never forget watching her boyfriend, then boyfriend, now husband's face. 
um, as her entire life just totally changed. And we were so proud of her. We knew that she was going to do great. And then when she won, it was pretty epic to be there in San Antonio having that experience. And then, you know, then going into Teen USA where, you know, my big sister is Miss USA and I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself to do well. And thankfully it all worked out. I got third runner up. Um, I kind of knew that year they were saying that they wanted a teen that looked like a teen today, tomorrow, and in 10 years. And I was like, I barely look like a teen right now. Uh Oh, so I went in with this big ball gown and tried to be as teeny as possible. But I think third runner up, considering the fact that I looked like I was 25 was a okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I watched this morning. You did. You looked like 24, 25 year old. I mean, I, I was like, wow, she, at, at teen. And not only that, you were so well spoken. I was like, she should probably just go ahead and compete in USA. Screw teen. Just go for it. You know, <laughs> when I did compete at Miss USA, I almost felt like I competed at teen better because I was so enthusiastic. I didn't really know what was coming at me. Um, and when I was totally determined and really prepared, I'd already gotten the main goal, which was winning Miss Math Teen. By the time I got to Miss USA, I wanted so badly to win Miss USA, I think it worked against me. And that's where I got the top 10. And I still got bothered by the fact that I didn't make top five. But you know what? I always think about it like that Garth Brooks song, Unanswered Prayers. And, you know, who knows what life would have been like. And let's also face it, no one was beating Crystal Stewart. Before that pageant, um, I went up to her and I had been a big pageant fan for quite some time. So I'd followed her um, competing at Miss Texas for years. And I just thought, you know what? I don't want to get beaten by someone who just kind of entered the pageant and, oh boy, oh my God, I won. And then you enter your national pageant. Oh my God, I won. <laughs> I wanted to be beaten by someone who cared and tried and this was going to mean the world to them. Cause that's kind of how I felt about it. And so I went up to her before I said, Crystal, I think you know how much I want to win this pageant and I know how much you want to win this pageant. So if it cannot be me, I hope it is you. And she ended up winning. So I was so thrilled to see her win. So even though I was like, you know, licking my wounds back there, when she won, I was thrilled. So that was totally genuine. Uh, going back to your Teen USA title, you were uh, part of the years in which Teen USA was still nationally broadcast on NBC. Mm, um, and I know the that, golden age. You know, yeah, exactly. For for the, a lot of the girls today, they don't know what that feels like. Um, maybe explain because I know you were at Susie's crowning, and you obviously experienced you know mm. Miss USA nationally on television. What was it like to compete in Teen when you had big hosts like Mario Lopez and Brooke Burns as your hosts? Well, it was so thrilling. I was a huge Mario Lopez fan, had a huge crush on AC Slater. So I went in with uh, a Saved by the Bell t-shirt and made him sign it. We actually have a picture of us wearing matching Red Sox jerseys because he had just run the Boston Marathon and had one of apparently was like friends with Nomar Garcia Parra. Um, And so when I said I went to Boston University, he's like, oh, I just ran this. And it came up that he had this shirt. I said, well, I have mine. Do you want to wear matching shirts tomorrow? And so we do. We have a picture of that. And I actually just interviewed him when I went out to Access Hollywood to do a promotional shoot for that. And he was pretty funny. I said, you know, Mario, we have history. And of course, he didn't remember me. Like he had fear in his eyes. Like, what what kind of history are you talking about? (laughs) Well, for him, I could see where he's nervous. Right. So, um, and then I said, well, actually, you just hosted Miss Teen USA 2003 and showed him the pictures. He remembered it. It was a great moment. Um, But it was so thrilling. Like I said, I had come from this background where I was kind of a nerd in my own high school. And apparently there was a group of girls who got together to make fun of me as I was going to be competing in this national pageant, thinking I wouldn't do well. And then I, you know, make the top 15, make the top 10. Now I'm in the top five. They must have, I don't know what they were talking about at that party because they must have been really like quieted. I'm trying to think of a nice way to say it. They must have been really (laughs) quieted at that party because I did pretty well. And it was so exciting for everybody that I knew that was, you know, watching and 
rooting for me and for my family to be there. It was, just, it was such an incredible experience that um, I really cherish to this day. My time in pageants, I can't say enough about them and probably why I'm still so involved. I love judging. I love helping girls as they're competing. And, um, you know, I just do it free on the side because <laughs> I, you know, I'm so busy. I don't have a ton of time to be a real coach, but I just love, love, love pageants. Can't say enough about them. Side note, does Mario Lopez age? I mean, the guy has not aged in like 30 years. I did ask him about that. I asked him <laughs> if he made a, you know, pack of the devil or what is his skincare regime. Um, I think he's got some really good genes. Uh, he must. He must. I, literally, the guy looks the same today as he did back when he did your pageant. Yeah, I know. It is impressive. It, and I, unfortunately, do not have, <laughs> he didn't recognize me, but I'm sure he's met a lot of girls over his years in pageantry and whatnot. So I don't take offense to him not remembering. He did remember when I showed him the pictures. So you uh, you finished top five at Teen USA. As you mentioned, you competed in Miss USA uh, at t- in 2008 against Crystal Stewart. Um, one of those uh, gaps that I think a lot of people think about when they're graduating from Teen USA into, do I want to continue doing pageants? You know, is this something where, mm. I, you know, do I want to graduate and do the Miss side or, or should I go on and do other things in my life? For you, um, you know, finishing top five at Teen USA, I mean, that's a pretty high finish. And, you know, you could be very accomplished and say, I- I'm done. What made you want to continue to compete? Everything in my spirit. No way was I going to be done. I just got a taste of my whole world had been opened up. I mean, I got to go to events in Boston and I could mingle the crowd and everybody wanted to talk to me because I had a crown on. So it taught me a great way to network. I got my agent, actually, I still have to this day through the Miss Teen USA pageant. Um, it, it, it was such a world, it opened my eyes to a whole new world and I wanted more of it. So here I was going back into my college and I was getting internships and I was trying to figure out how I could build upon everything, but I was still really you know, going back to the pageant every year and seeing girls get crowned, seeing girls go to Miss USA, that was a real big goal for me. I had grown up watching these pageants, never thinking I would have ever entered one. Because like I said, I was gawky. I was really tall and, you know, definitely didn't look like the part for a long time. So now that I was had some success and thought, wow, I think I can go back and maybe do well again. It was a real dream. But I competed my senior year of college just after I graduated and I ended up getting second runner up at Massachusetts. Um, and so that kind of messed things up because I thought, Oh, I'll just go back and win. <laughs> That's that delusion you get when you apparently do well at teen. Um, and it was a great learning lesson because, you know, I had to go back, figure out what more I could do to kind of come back and really, you know, make it an, an obvious win. And I changed my dress. I worked a little bit more on myself. And I think I actually was much better when I came back the second time around and then obviously won in 2008. So it's a really great lesson. Like, yes. But you have to kind of look a little bit more deep into yourself sometimes. It's not a, you know, you're not just going to go into pageant and win no matter who you are and um, what your success was in the past. Teen is such a different beast than Miss and, you know, what you what's going to succeed in Teen doesn't always succeed at, at Miss. So I had to make sure that I was really adopting maybe my story story everybody thinks it's a new thing but it was a thing back then and we always had these incredible interviews so um i feel like i was a stronger contender when i went to miss usa than i would have been maybe the year before part of me actually wishes i waited a little longer had i had time in tv i would have been you know a little bit more comfortable in front of the cameras a little less worried about what everybody you know wanted me to be and had been a little bit more of myself. I was truly myself at Team USA. I felt like at Miss USA, I was trying to be a former Miss USA. And I realized now that every year the girl is different because 
They look for authenticity. Well, you've been in the media, you know, for, during a, a very interesting evolution of pageantry over the last 15 years. Um, as you look at it from when you competed in 2003 and 2008 to now, um, do you like what you're seeing? I mean, what do you think of the pageant world today? I'm liking what I'm seeing a little bit more from IMG lately. A few years ago, I wasn't really loving what I was seeing just because I felt like they were placing story above what we were actually being graded on in the pageant world. And um, I felt like we needed to make sure that, you know, we weren't losing our identity. Miss America's been losing their identity lately, and I don't want to bash them too harshly because they will be on this. But I am excited about that. There's a lot of things I love about, you know, that organization too. But I think that, you know, one thing I love about pageants is that for a long time we've had diversity, we've had store, we've had intelligent women throughout this entire time. Um, so that hasn't changed. So the fact that we feel like we need to rebroadcast that out to people um, or make changes when changes weren't necessarily needed bothers me a little bit. Like right now we're seeing, I think that, you know, beauty is back um, and I'm really excited about that. And I think that we're paying more attention to stories, which is great because like I said, girls always had them. So I feel like we're writing itself. IMG kind of had to find their way and I'm hoping that we're you know, making the way towards a really, Miss Universe, I feel like, is on point now. I hope Miss USA follows in the same reign. Yeah, we'll certainly find out. Now, you still judge, uh, I mentioned say. earlier, <laughs> you, you judge both USA and America system. Do you have a certain criteria that you look for? I, I know that each state director kind of, you know, likes to determine the criteria they ask you to look for when crowning their winners. But I mean, as, as just a former pageant contestant, competitor winner, when you go into a pageant, what are you looking for uh, probably is your top, you know, three attributes. Yeah, I think I love prepared. <laughs> I like someone that looks like they, they tried um, a little bit. I mean, I love authenticity and I'm looking for that too, but um, authenticity without preparation might be one year away from winning, right? Like that girl just needs to come back and polish a few more things and then she's a perfect contender. So I really like someone who looks like they know what they're getting into. I could send them to Miss USA tomorrow and they will be a-okay. I want someone who can speak an interview. That is really important to me just because they're gonna, we're going to send them all throughout Boston. And I don't want my, you know, friends and family and people that I work with to think that Miss Massachusetts USA or whatever state we're judging can't speak. That's, that's really important as well. I think beauty, um, facial beauty is paramount for me when it comes to a pageant. I want to see a beautiful girl. And I think that, you know, swimsuit is important in the fact that Physical fitness is something that's really important, and I really think that if you've put in the preparation and swimsuit, I know you're going to follow through with everything else because that's the hardest thing. I love it. I love it, and I think that's great. And you know, hopefully, we maybe I get to work I mean, with I'm you a as a judge. I'm a traditionalist when it comes to that. Yeah. Well, and you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, I know there's a kind of a push as to what beauty is today, and and there's certainly you know narratives out there of you know it, it's this or it's this, and it's like you know it's really in the eye of the, be the beholder. Um, some people like yeah, that I don't very think classic I have a beauty. Clear concept of what beauty is. I think that beauty comes almost in every different shape, size, and and in and when I'm saying swimsuit needs to be a factor, I'm not saying that like all bodies would be considered. They just have to be in shape for whatever their body type is, right? Yeah. Um, or that beauty has to be. It, it, I'm certainly not just looking for blonde, blue-eyed, and um, whatever. I'm looking for whoever is beautiful in their own way, and I think that that is a really large permutation of different types of people and. I mean, I'm excited. And then I'm really excited that um, more people are entering of all different kinds. But I also think that that had been happening for a long time since going back into the 1980s. So um, it's not something new. And 
I get a little frustrated when people think that that's a new thing that they're trying to push when it's something that's been happening for a long time. Pageants have been doing a great job for a long time and people who think that they weren't haven't been watching. Yeah, and I think that's what you're seeing in the numbers. I mean, you, you watch ratings. I mean, you see the difference between uh, the years that you were on and the years now. I mean, I know there's social media involved in that, but I think at the, the core of it, it is frustrating. Well, it Let's just put really it that simple. Way. I mean, Miss USA has always been 33 to 30 percent for the most part beauty interview and swimsuit you could play along my only critique about miss america is is that it's really hard to play along because you you think you're watching a beauty pageant and then within one fell swoop most of the beauties get let go and then you're like okay i don't understand how that happened but let's try to figure this out now and then you have like talent and all this other stuff coming up and so much of the score is behind closed doors and that interview chunk is so large i would love if the interview is going to be that large i would love to see them stream those interviews or have them on so we can see them because then i can play along as a viewer i think that we really have to think about this in a reality tv kind of world and people want to play along um i think miss usa has been easy to play along with for a long time um i would love to see that happen with both pageants now miss america is going to be kind of in your backyard this year uh, are you going to be covering it? It is. It's going to be in Connecticut. So it's on the same day as Miss Universe. So if they want me to cover it, I will be there. If they don't want me to cover it, I will be having a Miss Universe. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, it's, I'm really excited. Our Miss Mass America this year used to be my son's babysitter. So I'm pumped for her, Lindsay Littlefield. Ooh. And then my friend Darcy Fisher's daughter is Miss Vermont America. So I'm so excited. So I'll be watching it, too. I'll be going back and forth. Um, I might have to DVR Miss universe actually um we'll see what goes on i'm excited i'm hoping to cover these two local queens um for our station as we prepare for miss america and i'm excited um to see what happens in miss universe too because we've got some beauties have you seen miss ireland i'm pretty obsessed yeah oh, there, and, there um, are, yeah there's texas some very good ones for miss usa you're talking about texas usa yes she's one of the most beautiful girls i've ever seen in my life <laughs> yeah she's very very pretty so I'm really and, i hope she can speak <laughs> and i wouldn't be surprised to see honestly universe move to another date um i don't you know i don't think they're worried about miss america and i think they'd rather have their own night so don't be surprised if you see that change oh i would love that i would love that because we pageant fans i mean we got the big three we got to watch them well and i think that's what miss america's trying to do is say hey let's see who's more popular let's just go head to head and see what happens i don't know i wouldn't want to put those two to the test miss universe has international appeal yeah and it's got like i you know from what i understand um and talking to some of the broadcast officials worldwide 100 million viewers that's a lot that's a yeah, lot of viewers. So exactly. Be a tough one to compete exactly. with. Exactly. So that's exciting. Both are great, and I'm excited to see Miss America back on a network. Oh, that's wonderful. Keeping your all network. of our pageants on network television is great. Exactly. So let's talk so about I'm your career. You graduated from pageantry into broadcasting. Um, that's a very common transition. A lot of people who get into pageants do want to go into broadcasting. Do you feel like it prepared you well for the career that you have now done for the last 10, 15 years? Absolutely. I think that the interview portion, learning how to answer an interview question makes you a really good interviewer because you know how to ask questions too. I think that you definitely learn how to do your makeup. You learn how to present yourself, which in the early days of TV news, you'll see a lot of people who don't know how to do that. I can't tell you how many weddings I've been to where grown women have to go to the hairdresser to get their hair and makeup done before they go to an event. I could do my hair and makeup in a car and be ready in five minutes. These are skills <laughs> um, for everyday life. So because of pageants, I feel like I throw myself into almost any situation. I can work a room, throw me into a, a room now as a reporter that I'm hosting something and I have to just 
you know, mingle, that could be really scary just going up and introducing yourself to people. It's really easy after you know, being Miss Massachusetts, you're really used to it. So it's become easy. So networking is easier, answering questions, asking questions, preparing myself for a broadcast. Um, so I'm covering a blizzard and my makeup still has to look good. I got it. So I think <laughs> that, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely helps. I highly recommend it for anyone wanting to go into any kind of um, public job like broadcast journalism or really any job. It's going to prepare you. Well, I've had a lot of hosts and news anchors on this podcast and, you know, all from the pageant world. And we've talked at length about, you know, what they were looking to get into in terms of career. And what I've found, for the most part, there are some that get into it and really honestly do want to do news and journalism. But I would say 80% of them want to do news as a way to get to what you're doing, lifestyle, entertainment type stuff that's more, I guess, fun to do on a daily basis and positive rather than the, you know, uh, if it bleeds, it leads mentality of news these days. Yes, I think that this is definitely the fun zone. I'm happy to be in it. And I think it was hard <laughs> to get here, too. <laughs> you know, a lot of girls want to go into it right away. Um, and, you know, people are saying, like, what do, how do I do what you're doing? I'm like, uh, I'm not quite sure how I landed in it, but getting on The Bachelor might help you. <laughs> Followers are really popular right now. So, I mean, there's no real way to get into it because reality TV has changed the game. I got into it because I you know, paid my dues, worked hard. My advice for anyone wanting to get into news in general would, would be don't be so specific about which section of news you want to get into. Just do a really good job of becoming a good writer, becoming a good listener. Speed. If you can write a package fast, that's going to get you way further than just your looks. I've been able to kind of hone my skills throughout many years. It's been over 10 years in the business. And I think that I've gone to where I am because I've always said, yes, I've been a solution to problems. I used to anchor on the weekends and report general assignment news. And then I got demoted and they didn't want me to anchor anymore because we had new management coming in. And then, uh, you know, that was really upsetting. So how do I handle that? Well, I could pout and I could be upset about it. Or I could say, well, I'm still here and I'm willing to show you I can still do a good job and, you know, let me add whatever you need and I'll come in early, I'll stay late, I'll come in on the weekends. I was a solution to problems. And because of that, they were like, oh, Jackie, you know, she's a go-to kind of person. She's fun. Let's give her the entertainment job. So that's how I got that. So it was really, you know, because of how I handled the bad situation, turned into my dream situation. So I always tell people, make sure that you're, being a solution to problems, that you're having a positive attitude, even when the going seems tough, those who face it with a positive attitude are going to come out on top more often than not. Now, you produce a, a what you call your signature series, Uniquely Boston. Was this something that you pitched to your news staff or was it something they came to you with? Yeah. Well, originally we were doing something called The Scene, which is kind of, you know, lifestyle stuff, the new hot restaurants in Boston. Still, still a lot of feature stories that were in there as well, and I didn't pick out that name. <laughs> so I still had a lot of love for like the really heartwarming feature stories, but they didn't always fit into what we were calling the scene. So we decided to call it Uniquely Boston, which would really, you know, allow us to cover anything from the greater Boston area that was um, super unique to the area, whether it's the New Heart restaurant or someone who is so exceptional and deserves spotlight and maybe doesn't always get it. Or a new, I just did a story on this rapper from Roxbury who... Uh, is so fascinating, and the things she's rapping about are so interesting. I wanted all my viewers to know about her. So 
those are the kind of stories that we are covering for Uniquely Boston, which I'm so proud of. I just won an Emmy last year, which is pretty exciting. Congratulations. So, yeah. Thank you. Checking a lot of things off the bucket list. So that's fun. Well, you know, you had mentioned earlier that a lot of people ask you, how do I get to do what you do? And uh, I hear a lot of that same stuff, you know, when people are asking about either guests on the podcast or even what I do for a living. And I think, you know, the one thing that I notice um, that I would love you for you to explain from your standpoint is a lot of these girls, they want to come out of that pageant world and out of college and just do it right away. And it's really, yeah. as you know, very difficult to make that happen. So talk about the, I, I guess we'll just call it the paying your dues road. Yeah, I think we, you know, lots of it are our favorite people. Like, do we love watching Savannah and Hoda on the Today Show? They're like, I mean, Savannah's probably late 40s, Hoda's in her 50s. I mean, they've been working a long time before they got those dream jobs. I really think it's kind of funny when girls come right out of college wanting to just be the it girl. Now, there are those exceptions that it just happens for some people. They're in the right place, the right time. Susie um, Castillo is a good example of that. Exactly. And people who have these internships. You know, we've seen people who have interned at these national places, and then they're in the right place when they need um, Sarah Haynes on the Today Show. She was working like behind the scenes, and they needed someone young and fun who could do social media. Right place, right time, immediately in the national spotlight. But here's the thing that you don't realize. Um, you don't want to be so green that you don't know how to do the job, even if you're in the right place, right time, and then you're bad at it. And then it's hard to ever get back there again because you didn't have enough repetitions in the small market. Uh, I think about my time out in Springfield, Massachusetts. Boy, was I not great at my job. A lot of <laughs> I had a lot of you know, work ethic and there were times, there are times when you, know, you almost have to make every mistake to learn how to do it right. And you don't always want to do that in the big, big leagues. So it's nice to go to a small market and be able to, you know, learn the craft and learn it in a way where if you make mistakes, you're not going to get fired. So that was by the time I got to Boston, I'm sure I've still made my fair share of mistakes, but I like to think that, you know, I've created a reputation for being a journalist that you can trust someone who is going to bring you the story in a unique way, um, maybe with a little extra personality. And it's hard to work on that personality part of it if you don't have your basics down. So uh, my advice is if you know and you haven't even chose your college yet, let's say you're a teen competing in the pageants, you want to do what we're doing, go find a school that's excellent for broadcast journalism. Get that college degree and get it from a place that is good at teaching journalism because you need to learn the ethics. You need to learn how to write. You need to learn now, how to do social media in a really responsible and still fun way. Um, you need to be able to learn how to do podcasts. There's so many things that you probably should learn how to do um, before you do them, because that way, when you get out of there, you're good at them. This business is really unforgiving. So you don't want to make, you know, such blatant mistakes in a big league. So do that in a smaller place first. Work your way up. And then, like I said before, you know, I have kids now, and so I have a lot of priorities outside of work. But when you're young and you don't have too much to do. Um, you might be able to see your friends, you know, all around on Instagram having so much fun. But I can tell you my three years in Springfield, I didn't make that much money and I wasn't able to have that, that much money. It's good me to have some fun. But a lot of my time was spent working. So I spent a lot of my 20s toiling, toiling on this job, working really hard. And now, you know, when I got my Emmy last year, it was so refreshing to see all my colleagues say, you know, wow, this is really deserved. You've worked so hard for so many years. Um, so what I'm building now, I feel like has a really solid foundation rather than being a quick flavor of the month. So I'm really proud of that. Um, doesn't mean it's the only way to do it, but it's a real surefire way, I think, to do it. And if you can kind of plan, plan to start building 
layers onto that career if you can and start with going to the right school for the right program and then getting internships. I was an intern here at NECN when I was in college. So when I applied for the job after three years of Springfield, they were like, oh yeah, we love Jackie, bring her on. So making those connections and actually my Miss Massachusetts USA 2001, Latoya Edwards, who was Latoya Foster at the time, was an anchor here. So pageants give you great networking skills. Hold on to those. So when I said, hey, Latoya, I'm interviewing at NECN, she's like, oh, I got this. I'm going to go put in some good words for you. So, you know, be nice to everybody from the pageant time on. It is a small market all over the place. And you're probably meeting people, whether you want to go into journalism or some other industry, you're probably meeting people all the time. Never be a diva. Always be willing to, you know, help out, volunteer, and have a positive attitude. And I feel like whatever you go into, you'll probably succeed. That's some awesome advice. And I've I've actually got a story to parallel what you were talking about, that some girls want to come out of college and kind of be the it girl. Um, I had uh, yeah. a previous guest on the podcast as the host of The List. Do you know The List, the nationally syndicated lifestyle yeah. show? Christina Guerrero. Yeah. So Christina Guerrero yeah. uh, lived in L.A., uh, was working at, uh, I think, I want to say KTLA. I think she was one of the, one of the different uh, local, yeah, one of the big stations there in L.A. She was working behind the scenes in the production department and somehow got involved with Access Hollywood. And they put her on super young. Like, I think she was 23 or 24. And she very quickly... Uh, kind of became the green girl that everybody knew. She's just not quite ready. And so her agent is Ken mm. Linder. And Ken Linder That's said, hey. Agent. Yeah, okay, so you know Ken. Ken's got a legend. Yeah. Nancy O'Dell's former agent. He yeah. said, I'm going to get you a job in San Antonio with a show called Great Day San Antonio. We're going to send you there for three or four years and really get you polished. And then you can come mm-hmm. back out here and I'll make sure that, you know, you're in with the right producers and we'll get you back out there. And that's exactly what happened. She went to Great Day San Antonio, went back out, worked for The Insider for Entertainment Tonight. Um, and then now is doing the list out of Phoenix. Um, so she's, you know, worked yeah. her way up in a very unique way, but it was a great example of she wasn't quite ready for the big leagues, even though she wanted to be there. Exactly. Exactly. And that's exactly what they told me. They said I needed to get polished. I needed to get those reps, learn how to cover every kind of news. Because even though entertainment news sounds like it's trivial, a lot of it goes back to general news basics, you know, mm-hmm. um, and ethical news, having news ethics, doesn't matter what you're covering. That is a bedrock that I find now helps me with, should I tweet this? Should, should I make this joke? Absolutely not. Like social ethics is so important. And if you don't learn that, you can really, you know, put your foot in your mouth or, or mess up somewhere along the way if you don't have that bedrock of information. And a lot of it is just at that. You got to gotta keep doing the job every day. So what does Malcolm Gladwell say? You have to do something 10,000 times before you get good at it. So. Well, look, for those listening, if you want to learn ethics, don't watch cable news. <laughs> just uh, just, just yeah, cut it exactly. all out because you're not going to learn any ethics from anything that they're doing. Um, I do want to quickly yeah, talk about you know, your, I like your news. I think that we at the local level are really trying to keep it unbiased. I'm also really happy I don't cover a ton of politics. But <laughs> I really think that my coworkers are doing a great job of that. Um, and I think that, you know, I think we've gotten to a point where obviously there are certain stations at the cable level that are, that are one way or another. So there's that. Well, hey, you covered a, a very significant event that happened in the past few years in news. And that was, of course, the uh, Boston Marathon bombing. You were one of the first people on the scene. Um, I, I think yeah. a lot of people would just kind of love to hear Tell, tell us about the experience. I mean, what happened? Where were you? What, what went on? Yeah, I was supposed to be covering a really great feature that I um, found. It was supposed to be an exclusive story. And um, it was about this couple that was getting married after running the marathon. So I'd interviewed them before the marathon. They were going to be wearing, they were elite runners, and they were going to be wearing a, 
the groom in a tuxedo made out of Under Armour material, and the bride's dress is going to be made out of um, Under Armour material white using the Chicago Marathon metal as like a sash, right? So what a quirky, fun, and beautiful story. So we were there at the finish line waiting for them to come through. The groom was a really fast runner and in the men's, so he came through first. The um, bride came through right after. So we were really lucky that they were elite runners and they weren't taking too long because then we could have been there during a much worse situation. But we were moving our car um, out of this parking garage, which if people know Boylston Street, right by... Um, you know, the Lord and Taylor, which I don't know if anybody knows that. <laughs> so finally, you know, right by the second where the second bombing happened. And so we were coming out and we heard this loud boom and I kind of made this joke like, oh my God, we don't need breaking news right now. Because I thought it was actually one of those, sometimes in a parking garage, it kind of makes those like booming sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounded that far away where it was calling, but that was the first bomb. And then as we were paying for our parking, as soon as they punched our ticket and gave it back to us, they, the second bomb went off and we looked to our left after emerging from this parking garage and we found smoke. And so my photographer put the car in park actually right there and ran out, grabbed his camera, ran out. Um, I just followed him and I stopped for a split second. When you go back to the area, it feels like it all happened in slow motion. There's a lot, but there was actually no room. Um, I just must've walked a few steps and then I texted my family. I'm okay. And then I continued on. And what I saw was pretty much this, horrific scene of carnage and horrific scene of carnage and I took that first photo and then I almost couldn't see looking across the street on Boylston Street right now when you look across I can make out almost anything from across the street for some reason I was struggling to see what I was witnessing across the street which was somebody who had unfortunately lost a leg and there was a bunch of people kind of in a, in a situation um, right where the bomb had gone off it was awful um, but it's funny how your brain plays tricks on you. So I took that photo. I immediately looked at it. Again, media ethics. My first thought was, can I see anyone's face in this photo? Um, and I couldn't. Their faces were all either down or you couldn't make out who was in the photo. But this situa- But it was a graphic photo. Um, so I made a news call right in that, in that moment. I tweeted it out and explained that there had been an explosion. That tweet went super viral. Um, I had, I, again, back to news ethics. Had I been able to see a face in that picture, I would not have tweeted it out because I would not want people to know that their family member was injured in that way. You know, I would have waited and talked to my managers about it. But immediacy is important in news, too. So, again, like, had I not had that bedrock of information from school and from years of doing this job, that could have been a really, maybe I wouldn't have known what to do. So I got that out. Um, and then we had to move our car, we went back and I ended up covering it all day long. Um, and it was really crazy because so often in news, you're covering something and you're explaining what other people saw. I was using the word I, which that felt like a bad thing to do in news at the time, but I didn't know any other way to explain what I had seen. Um, and we, we covered that in a way that I'm really proud of still to this day. It's hard to talk about. I, I probably am rambling because I feel like I still kind of go back into this oh, little I'm bit sure. of PTSD sure talking about it. Um, but it, it was a awful day in Boston, but I'm so proud of how we, we rallied to the situation. And um, yeah, it was a wild time to be in news, but uh, an important time because I think that's when people need news the most is when the whole world seems chaotic around them and they're just searching for answers. And we provided answers to them through the, the whole thing. 
Were you shocked to see it uh, become a Hollywood movie with Mark Wahlberg starring in it? Yeah, I actually sat down with Mark Wahlberg to interview him um, during the press junket. They, they brought it to Boston and they um, showed us. I had a real cathartic moment in it because there was this one little boy or girl, actually it was a little girl, I think. Um, I couldn't tell in the moment. Um, a police officer was carrying a child and the child's face was all bloodied. And I couldn't make out whether that child was alive or dead. And that family didn't do much press after. And I didn't push for a lot of these stories after because I was kind of still pretty traumatized from it. Um, unlike a lot of my coworkers who weren't maybe right there at the time when it happened. Um, so I wasn't always seeking out these stories. But um, I didn't see what had ever happened to that child. And I never knew if that child was okay. Had they been named? Had they, you know, what, what was their life like now? And in that movie, they show a little bit of what looked like it could have been pulled from that headline. And at the end, the real people were shown and they were, the child was beautiful and they were fine. And I had a cathartic, like crying moment um, where I was so happy. And so I told Mark Walter, thank you for having those people at the end, because it really gave me clarity about something I still had not known how that turned out. Um, so for that, I am so thankful. Thank you for doing that. Um, and it was a larger than life um, moment. So I'm not surprised it got turned into a movie. It was a little soon. Um, I remember somebody uh, right after the bombing, like hours after the bombing, I saw someone who actually was involved in patches, but I will leave them nameless, said, wow, how much, how long until they turn this into a movie? And I wrote back, you know, please do not even go there. I got angry. Um because I felt like it was insensitive, but yeah, I'm happy with how he portrayed it. And he's the son of Boston. So he did it with as much understanding and sensitivity as he could. And I think he did a pretty good job showcasing it. You know, was there one person at every single moment like his character was? No, but it's an you know amalgamation of a lot of different characters that, you know, did incredible things over that course of um, a few days from that to the shootout. And I'm sure that made your interview with him a little bit different. I mean, it's one thing to interview a celebrity for a movie, but, you know, when the movie is about a situation that you were literally part of, it must have made that mm. a very interesting interview to be a, be involved in. Yeah, and you could see that I told him that just before our interview started. And, you know, he really took care with the things he was saying. And after he said, thank you so much for telling me that, we've, you know, obviously heard a lot of different sides of was how people feel about this movie. And it just meant so much to me that, you know, you got something out of it, which was what we wanted. So that was well, nice. Two more things real quick before we kind of wrap up and do our speed round questions. Um, number one, mm -hmm. for those who are competing in the pageant world right now, and I realize it's evolved quite a bit since you competed, but advice to them um, on competing and just in general, you know, how to, how to tackle it. Okay. So number one, you can't worry about what everybody else is doing because a lot of girls get into a pageant and they see all the beautiful girls, all the beautiful dresses, and they start thinking what they're not. you got to go in with blinders on and brainwash yourself that you are the obvious choice. <laughs> and whatever time, your brain will naturally go there. Every time you see someone, you're like, oh, goodness, that's a, that's a good dress. Oh, 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 God, she could be competition. you got to just go, bring yourself back. Nope, I'm not going to waste my energy on anyone else because when you start wasting on energy on other people, you take it away from yourself. Um, you've entered this pageant because you feel that you have a good chance to win. Remember that and believe in that and, and don't falter from that. It's hard to do. Um, it's easy to say it's hard to do, but just keep reminding yourself, nope, I'm not going to waste my energy on other people. I'm going to stay confident and true to who I am and I'm going to compete. I prepared, I'm ready, and I'm just going to showcase that to the judges. That's the best mindset you can have while going into a pageant. Um, secondly, um, don't try to be 
whoever you think misstate USA or wherever you're competing or misstate America. Don't try to be who you think that person should be. Be your best self. Um, I did that at teen. I don't know if I did that at Miss. I think I was trying to be a Miss USA. Like I wore my hair down and I tried to pick a dress that um, was like strategic. And I just wish I went in with, I should have, you know, done what I always do, throw my hair in a low ponytail and then myself. And maybe that would have been enough to maybe <laughs> first run up to Crystal Stewart. Because again, <laughs> that was never happening. Um, but I think I, it, when you are authentically you and you make decisions because that's what you love the most, I think that's always going to be more successful than what you think um, Miss whoever should be. Now, if people are giving you constructive criticism, listen to them too. To take in a lot of information because you're probably not an expert. But, you know, if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. So make sure you have a good team in place. Learn from the best and then try to follow your gut. That's pretty and much it. Secondly... What do you think the greatest lesson you learned from pageantry that you now use to this day in your life was? I think it's that if I try really hard to do something, I probably can. Um, having that idea that there's no goal too large, too big, um, that I, I, if I put my mind to it, I can achieve it, which has really unlocked so many doors. Do you love game shows, Jackie? I do like game shows. All right, so this is kind of like the last uh, round of Family Feud, you know, where he does the little, you know, speed round. You got to answer the questions, and it's. I basically have kind of restructured it just so it's kind of a, us getting to know you in a fun and unique way. Okay. So, ten questions, you can answer them as fast or slow as you want. It really doesn't matter. I mean, there's no rules here. Um, it's just a, for us to get to know you. So, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Number one, what's the fastest speed you've ever driven a car? Oh my goodness, probably only 80 miles per hour and then I got nervous and backed down. I once had a drive in a race car and uh, I only went 30 miles per hour. Like I drove faster at daycare that morning than when I drove in the race car. <laughs> I'm a wimp. I love it. Number two, what do you love more, cake or pie? Um, pizza? I'm not a big food person. <laughs> I'll take option C, that's fine, no problem. Okay. Number three, how many times did you sneeze in the last seven days? Not that you probably keep track of this. Mm, I don't know. I don't think ever. Might have had a sneeze-free week. That's probably a good thing. No allergies? No yeah, good Yeah, I'm healthy. All right, number four, do you like the word dapper? I do like the word dapper. I think you're dapper, Tim. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> so sweet of you. Fun. <laughs> yeah, you did a great job with Miss Teen USA. Keep oh, her host that. every year. Yeah, well, call Mario. Maybe we can do some co-hosting or something, or Brooke Burns. Yeah. Whatever. That'd be great. That'd be Number fun. five, big dogs or small dogs or cats? Small dogs. I have a little shih tzu named Buddy, and I'm obsessed with him. So, Definitely small dogs, a small dog. But primarily just shih tzus. Number six, how many hours of sleep do you need a night? A lot. I like to get my eight hours of sleep, and I prioritize it. I think of it as a beauty regime. I got to get my sleep bed. So, uh, working in the media, what time do you get into work every day? Uh, I have a pretty cushy schedule. <laughs> I get leave by 7.30 because I live pretty far from the station, but I have to be here from 9 to 5, and then I can kind of move it around based on shoots. Oh, so, my God. Uh, that's like the perfect, yeah. ideal broadcasting schedule. I know. I'm schedule. so spoiled. I'm so spoiled. <laughs> I have the best job in the station. Don't tell I anyone. I think you do. <laughs> I know. They're probably really jealous. All right. Number seven. Are women complicated? Oh, Yeah. We definitely are, but don't tell us we are. We'll get mad about it. That's true. That's true. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll leave it at that. Uh, and, number eight. And also, it's a good thing that we are, too. It makes us more interesting. Yes, true. Uh, number eight, how often is it healthy to cry? 
whenever you think it's necessary. I think that if you feel the need for a good cry, there should be no shame in that game. Got to get it out sometimes. All right, number nine. This is probably the deepest question of the ten. If you could ask God one question, what would it be? Ooh. Wow. You, know, I you can take your that. time on this one. Ever. Wow. Uh, just one? Maybe I'd like to ask God if I could get a little time with my great-grandmother who had passed away or my grandparents um, on my dad's side. I never got enough time with them, I felt like, so I'd like to see what they think of everything now. I'm sure they'd be pretty proud. I mean, I'm a pretty good mom. I've got a good job, and I'm a good person, so I'm sure they'd be proud, but I'd love to, you know, chat with them, maybe introduce them to my two boys. Tim, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I, I just a little nostalgic moment there for you, though, but that's really cool. Yeah, that's very cool. I mean, I'd, I, I'd love to be able to see them again. All right, number 10. Which would you prefer, Sour Patch Kids or Starburst? Oh, goodness, my two faves. Okay, um... Mmm... <laughs> I told you I'm not into sweets, but I do like sour candy. I think I'm gonna go with... Uh, sour Patch Kids. But can I get the watermelon kind or just the cherry ones? Those are my faves. I'll see what I can do. I think I can probably pull that off. Well, that okay. is the ten questions. You're off the hook. Congratulations. Thanks for answering. I'm glad you didn't ask me about chocolate. I thought it was gonna be, like, Starburst versus chocolate. I'm like, oh, definitely Starburst. <laughs> I've, I've always been a huge either. Starburst okay. fan myself, so that's why I threw it in there. But I just thought that was interesting because I know a lot of people like Sour Patch Kids. Yeah, I just actually posted on Instagram the other day. My photographer had offered me a red Starburst, an orange Starburst, or a yellow Starburst. And I was like, well, which one do I choose? Am I, do I be a jerk and take the obviously best one, the red, or... Do I take a lesser one and not be that happy about my decision? It was a real conundrum. (laughs) I know you've got a very busy schedule today. You've got a shoot to do this afternoon. I really appreciate you spending the time. And thanks for reaching out to me. And uh, it's always great to have on uh, people who are super successful in the broadcasting business as well, because I know a lot of my uh, listeners definitely want to go into that field. So thanks for all the time today. Oh, my pleasure. And keep up all the fun podcasts. They entertain me on my commute. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying them, and thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll chat soon, okay? Absolutely. Thanks so much, Tim. Thanks for listening to today's episode and to Jackie Bruno for her time. Now, if you want to follow Jackie's journey, check out her Instagram and Twitter at jbrunonbcboston. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, and YouTube, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim T. Aldo. Until next time, remember the words of 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Talk to you next week, everybody. Everybody.